Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Real quick, by show of hands, how many of you were not here last week? Raise your hand. You were not here last week. All right, Busters. Listen, I need you to go to the back. I'm just kidding. I love you. You are probably on like the greatest vacation ever. You were with Disneyland and Mickey Mouse and your family, and that's awesome. That's where I wanted you to be. But you're back, and that's where I want you to be too. But hey, it is so, I'm telling you what, last week, I'll tell you, last week was so good, I went back and watched my own sermon, and it blessed me. Can I just tell you? That's how, that's how good it was. And I don't say that about every sermon, but that was, that was a good, that was good. That blessed my soul. And so I tell you that because I need you to go to the back and get a disc and throw it in your car and just listen to that thing. I need you to go and download the podcast so when you're on the gym, you know, don't be dancing to the oldies or sweating to the whatevers. You go, you go sweat to Pastor Todd and uh, it'll bless you. I'm just telling you, it was so good. We're in part two of a series called Connecting Heaven and Earth. We're talking about this thing called prayer. And here's what we decided last week is this, is that we all pray. Um, I know people don't even believe in God, but if they get desperate enough, they pray, just in case. You're like, God, oh, I don't even believe you, but just in case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot for the moon here. And so everybody prays. Sometimes people pray devotionally because it's a part of who you are and your routine, and that's how you feel close to God. We should all pray at some level of devotion. Hey, we all pray when we're desperate, you know, when, when, when life hits the fan and things are messy and ugly and we, we're lost and scared and afraid. We all pray which means this the most important thing that we can figure out is how do i pray in such a way that god will answer and what we wanted to do during this series was take a look at some of the great prayers of the bible where men and women just prayed put it all on the line and god showed up and answered and last week we looked at the prayer of jabez please go listen to that that is so good because some of these prayers are very very specific last week that prayer was ambitious it was about god blessing me, enlarging my territory, and God answers that prayer. And it just you need to dive into the details of that prayer. This week will be a little bit different because, again, these are sometimes very specific prayers. And today, in Exodus chapter 32, if you have your Bible, we'll get there in a minute, we're going to look at a guy who prayed for some people. Now, the reason why he prayed for these people is because these people were crazy. These people were lost. These people were doing pagan stuff. These people were so disobeying God. And yet Moses, the guy we're going to look at today, he lays it all on the line, puts himself on the line, and prays what I want to call the compassionate prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you this is like a warning. I don't even know how to say this. Y'all just track me for a second. I'm going to show y'all a prayer that like is so bold and audacious, I almost didn't want to give it to you. Because it's scary. I don't know that, because I, I, I was like, you could mess this prayer up. So don't be rolling out of here just flinging this prayer around like it's just, you need to dial into this prayer. It is so bold what Moses does that it's, I'm reluctant as a pastor to say, hey, yeah, you should pray like Moses. Part of me wants to be like, don't pray like Moses. But he did it. And God answered. So I'm going to teach you anyway, but I'm going to tell you, you pray this prayer with a seatbelt and you be a little, just, just a little cautious as you pray this prayer, because he's so audacious. But it seems as though God is cool with it. It seems as though God is okay with the audacity of his prayer. And the level of... Hey, look, parents, have you ever had your kid... I, we, have a, we have a kid that does this in our, in our church. I know uh, the family, and, and he's known for this. They kind of make fun of him a little bit. But he negotiates with his parents. <laughs> parents, you ever had your kid like negotiate? Okay, Dad, bef- d- just don't say no until you hear me out. 
They, they start with stuff like that. Like, just hear me out. I just want to put this out. Don't say no until you hear everything. And they start to negotiate. Moses has a little bit of negotiation. But what he does is this, though. He's negotiating. He's arguing. He is debating with God. But he's praying. He's interceding. He's intervening. He's putting it all on the line because he cares about people who are lost and away from God. Now, here's, here's what I think I know about you. There's a great chance that you know somebody that's lost and away from God. You know somebody that, that so desperately needs God's presence in their life, but they're lost. They're blind. They're confused. They don't know. They have doubt. They have issues. They won't turn to God and help. They maybe, whatever their scenario is, here's my guess is we all have that neighbor. We all have that coworker. We all have that friend. We got our crazy hairdresser named Tiffany. We have, she's a redheaded and you know, it's just, whoa, okay. Just kidding. Redheads are amazing. But, but y'all have a reputation. That's all I'm saying. Um, but, but you've got that friend that you know is just a little bit lost and away from God. And, and, and here's what I want you to know. Like the Bible says we should pray for those who are away from God. And so usually there's somebody that you care about, that you love, that you're concerned about, that you knew if God intervened in their life, it would be the best thing for them. And so the question is this, is who are you praying for? Because as we talk today, what I want you to do is I want you to insert their name into everything we talk about today. I want you to have their life, their future, their well-being, their eternity. I want you to have that on your mind as we talk today. And as we look at this incredible prayer from Exodus chapter 32. Are you guys ready to begin? All right, good. Here's the deal. In Exodus chapter 32, this is the context Basically, if you know the story of Israel, you know that, that, that Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for a long time. Moses shows up. He's sent by God. He goes to Pharaoh. Remember, he says, let my people go. The big famous line. Pharaoh says, no. God says, yes. Pharaoh says, no. God says, yes, or I will bring calamity. Pharaoh says, no. God says, here's calamity. He brings out 10 incredible plagues to basically break the pride off of Pharaoh. He still won't break. Eventually, the Israelites get free. Remember the whole, they cross through the Red Sea on dry land. Remember, they get to the other side. They, they wander into the desert and they get, they get to the place called Mount Sinai, which is where Moses climbs up on top of the mountain and he tells all the people, hey, you guys stay here. I'm going to go to the mountain. I'm going to go talk to God. And y'all stay here. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Y'all stay here. And he goes up onto the mountain. And so for chapter after chapter in Exodus, you know, basically it's, it's God speaking to Moses, giving Moses the Torah or the law or the instruction on how the people should live. Well, there's a break about chapter 32 where we look. Because, see, what happened was is that Moses apparently had been gone too long. Moses had been gone so long that the people got scared. The people got afraid. So they looked to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, Hey, look, I think Moses is dead up on the mountain, and I don't know what God has done or where God is. So this is what we want you to do. We want you to make us an idol, and we'll just worship that idol, and that'll be our new God, because the other God must have left or forgot us here. Now, how many of you know, like, they had just sang a song about the greatness of God delivering them. They had just sang a song. They had just crossed through on dry land. They had just seen 10 incredible plagues break the back of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but that would get my attention. That would be a big deal in my mind. That's got to be fresh in their memory bank. How many know, like, when you get further away from things, like, many of you have this moment where, like, you go back and 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there's this God moment. But, you know, 
That's a long time ago. We're talking about days ago this stuff happened. And yet still the people hadn't learned to trust God. They, they, they just hadn't figured it out. So they turned back to the only thing they'd ever known, which is, hey, when you don't know what to do, you just make an idol and you worship that God, and hopefully that God comes and rescues you and saves you. But the one true God is up on the mountain with Moses, and he is angry because the people took all their gold earrings and gold jewelry, and they made a little cow, and they said, hey, that'll be our new God. Wouldn't that make you mad? And so this is the context that we read the story. So are you ready? Let's begin. Exodus chapter 32, verse number 7. The Bible says that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go down because your people, they're not even my people anymore, they're your people. Go down because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. So basically they took the one true living God, who, by the way, one of his early commandments was don't make idols, and they made an idol in the shape of a cow, and they said, That's God now. God's angry. So I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are stiff-necked people. That just, that's, that's code for y'all are stubborn. Now leave me alone. How I many know that's bad? When you push dad or mom so far, and you're like, this is, you leave me alone. You leave me alone, said that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And then, Moses, I'll make you into a great nation. Now, again, this, this brings in all kinds of theological questions. Like this brings in some oddities in Scripture because, because really what you find is, is Moses is going to intercede on behalf of the people and, and God ends up, spoiler alert, God ends up not destroying Israel. I don't know if y'all knew that. That's why there's a, a nation called Israel still. You know, that, just in case you didn't know history. But, or geography or well, anything. Yeah, really. And so... So Moses clearly got the attention of God and his prayer worked. We're going to look at that prayer in just a second, but it brings in all these theological questions, which is like this. Was God really going to destroy it? Did Moses really talk God out of something? What was going on here? And it's just my belief that God was, was basically having an interchange with Moses. He's having a dialogue with Moses. To a certain degree, I think God totally knew what he was and wasn't going to do, but he was angry. And he just thought he'd vent that anger and then just see how Moses would respond. Does, does that make sense? Parents, you ever done that before? Your kids are tripping. Your kids are crazy. They won't clean their room. They won't obey. The, you know what? I guess, you know what? I guess we're not going to be able to go to Disneyland this year, kids. Sorry. And you know deep in your heart, you know you're going to take them little rugrats to Disney, but you just want to push them. And test them a little bit. You know what I mean? I almost imagine like we, we, we have this great young man at our church that works like, a, he's like an intern. You know, we pay him a little bit of money. He's still, still really just a high school, college student. And, and, uh, but we have him around and he's great. And I, I, feel like, I feel like if he made a big blunder, it'd be like me going to Delano, who's kind of his boss, and me saying, hey, you know what? That's it. He's fired. He's done. And I'm not really going to fire him. I just want to see what Delano will say. <laughs> he's, I'm a fire. I'm a fire. Yeah, intern, he's done. I'm a fire him. Just to see, what does Delano say? Does Delano fight for him? Does Delano vouch for him? Does Delano say, no, just have mercy, don't kill him, you know, whatever, what, what, whatever. I, I don't know, but this is the picture that I get when I see the, the, the dialogue and the interchange between God and Moses. I think God always knew what he was going to do, but it has this, like I said, this huge 
picture for us of Moses stepping in, of Moses praying, of Moses putting it all on the line for these people who so totally don't deserve it. These people who are truly lost and away from God in that moment. And, and, and man, they need God's mercy. And this is what Moses says. Let's keep reading. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, well, it was with evil intent that God brought them out just so he could kill them in the mountains and then wipe them off the face of the earth. God, please turn from your fierce anger. Relent. Do not bring disaster on your people. I know you said they were mine earlier. They're really not. Remember. Hey, go back. Like, remember the whole Abraham, Isaac, Israel thing? Remember how you swore to them by your own self saying, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give your descendants all of this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance. Remember, remember that? Remember the promise that you made? Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. It's a crazy story, isn't it? Like, this, this is like God's like, that's it. I'm going to blow them up. I'm just going to wipe them off. And then Moses, I'll start over with you. And, and here's a few big ideas that I want to walk away from at the end of this day. Um, big idea number one is this, is that when, when you look at, at Moses and you look at how he prays and what he prays, you need to know this, that nothing hinders a compassionate prayer. Like nothing, nothing hinders. If you really love someone, if you really care about somebody, if, if, if everything that, that about their life and their future matters to you, then nothing should stop you praying for them. I'll give you a few thoughts here. Number one is this is like the greatness of their sin did not stop Moses. Like, this was a big deal. They made a cow. They made an idol. Remember that whole command, thou shalt not have no idols, that whole thing? They abandoned that real quick. They completely just abandoned everything that God had done for them just days prior. Like, and, so I want you to know that if you've got a friend, if you've got a buddy, if you've got a family, remember, or a neighbor, or whatever, and you're like, Todd, you don't know how bad they are. Moses doesn't care how bad they are. Number two, is this like the stubbornness of the people? That didn't bother. Remember, God was saying, not Moses, God was saying, there are stiff-necked people, so I don't care how stubborn the person is. I don't think that, like, because I know this is what you think, because I did this before with a loved one in my life. I stopped praying for them, because I'm like, no, it won't even matter. It won't work. Nothing I do will matter. They are so stubborn, it won't matter. And God proved me wrong, because I stopped praying for them. And yet, still, God intervened and changed their life. And then I was like, wow, I'm supposed to be the man of faith, <laughs> And I had given up hope. What in the world is wrong with me? And I just learned my lesson. No person is so stiff-necked that God can't end up kind of softening their heart. Number three is this, is God's wrath didn't hinder Moses. Like God was angry. Like his anger was burning hot is what the Bible said. So, so I, I need you to think about this. Sometimes we, you know, we, we sit back and think, well, look, if God's that angry with them, maybe they deserve it. Well, maybe if God's that angry with them, it's because God has every right to be angry with them. Maybe God should judge him. Maybe God should punish him. Maybe it didn't stop Moses. Because his compassion for the people was overriding the, the, the level of anger that God had. I need you to write this down if you're taking notes. Never let your indignation against sin prevent your prayers for sinners. Like no matter how bad, how wicked, how vile, how awful you think those people are. That should never trump your compassion 
and prayer. Not according to Moses. It doesn't trump their sin, God's anger, none of it. Here's another thought. The fact that God said, leave me alone. Now again, when God says, leave me alone, what should you do? Apparently you pray more. That's what, that's what Moses, that's why I told you, you need to be careful with this. Because normally God, if God says, leave me alone, what should you usually do? You should leave, you had to leave God alone. But Moses didn't. Moses kept praying, kept asking. Again, we'll see in a, in a minute here, bargaining and arguing. But he didn't let that get in the way. Lastly, you know what he didn't let get in the way? I find this fascinating. This to me proves the character of Moses right here. He did not let his own self-interest get in the way. Because like, I need you to think how cool it would be. You know, you should really save these people. Well, Moses, I'm going to wipe them out. And then I'm going to start all over with you. And technically, you'll be the king. Well, maybe we should reconsider this then. Maybe that, maybe that is an option we should consider. Maybe that would be a good idea because I think I'd make a pretty good king. And then it could just start with me and it start with my family. And it, that could be cool. That could be really, really cool. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, just wipe out. All, and we would start over with you. Wouldn't you feel special? And Moses would have been the man. Even in his own self-interest, he did not let that hinder the fact that he was a compassionate prayer. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll prove it to you. In Psalms chapter 90, verse 1, the Bible begins this psalm. Psalms 90 begins, the prayer of Moses, the man of God. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's how, like, that's not what he wrote. That's the title over it. And it just says, the prayer of Moses, the man of God. I want you to know that Moses was a praying guy. Like that matters. The fact that he did have a devotion to prayer. And, and, and Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, there is no man of God if there is no prayer. For prayer makes the man into a man of God. Like the fact that you become a praying person, that you become devotionally dedicated to a life of prayer, that matters. And that right there is what gave, I believe, Moses the strength of character to know, hey, even in the face of their wickedness, of God's anger, even my own self-interest, I know you keep praying. Nothing hinders a compassionate prayer. Nothing does. Number, number two is this. Big guy number two is this. this be, be careful, but this is what Moses does. Number two is this, is you need to make a compelling argument. If you're going to pray for so-and-so, remember you're going to fill in the blank? Remember Tiffany? Remember your neighbor? Remember your coworker? Were you going to pray for... Is, are you Tiffany over there? I'm sorry. But you need to fill in the blank, and when it comes to whoever that you filled the blank in, you need to make... A compelling argument. Listen to what Moses says. This is so bold. This is so audacious. He's arguing with God. This is what he says. Argument number one is this. Argument number one, God, they're your people. I just need you to know that I need you to save them because they're yours. They're not my people. They're yours. Number two, you've done great things for them. Remember all the miracles? Remember the whole dry land splitting the rent? Like that's a big deal. Remember, your name is at stake. Remember, you put your name on them. All of Egypt knew they were yours. You put your, like, are you going to let your name? You wouldn't do that, would you? He's arguing. He's debating with God. Number four is this. Is didn't you make a covenant with them? Remember the whole Abraham, Isaac, Jacob thing? You, you, I mean, you said. This is what, if your parents out there, have you ever had your kids do this? Like, well, you said, mom. And they turn your words against you. This is what Moses is doing, like a great arguing child. I think he's doing it lovingly, and bless God, you better do it respectfully. But like, uh, Dad, uh, remember that time when you said, I just want to remind you of what you said. These are, these are your words. I'm quoting you. 
And he starts just going back saying, remember what all you had done. Hey, check this out. Argue number five. Moses lumps himself with the people. Like a few verses later, we're not going to read everything because we, we don't have enough time. But eventually Moses says, hey, look, if it's going to come down to them or me, it's not. I'm in with them. So if you kill them, you kill me too. Like that's legit praying. He prayed so much to where he was like, look, if they're not getting mercy, then you can take away my mercy. I'm in with them. We're bad boys for life. We ride together. We, we, I don't want to die. We, we, we'd, we'd die together if that's... But we're bad. That's how we roll. I'm in with them. That is an incredible argument. You, you just need to know this. Moses could not see anything in the people worth arguing for. So what did he do? He looked to God and pleaded with what he saw in God. I want you to think about that for a second. He didn't pray for those people because them stinking people didn't deserve it. He prayed because he looked into the nature and the character of God and he leveraged the character of God for his prayers, not that the fact that the people deserved it. Do any of us deserve mercy? No, not really. We're not good in and of ourselves. We don't, we're not deserving and worthy of all these things. But what Moses was leveraging was not our goodness. He was leveraging God's goodness. And just again, spoiler alert, God relents. God changes his mind. God, hey, a big, big idea, number three is this, is I want you to remember that you have nothing to lose. Like, what do you have to lose? Like you're praying for somebody else. You might as well give it everything you got. You better make every case, every argument, every plea. Keep praying. You've got nothing to lose. Because again, when Moses looked into the character and nature of God, he saw goodness. He saw something in God that he thought he could leverage. He's like, God, I mean, the, your name, you, you made him. All, all these things are your covenant. He made every compelling argument that he possibly could, and he had nothing to lose at the end because he knew the goodness of God. Uh, watch this. Ezekiel 34, verse 6 says this. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 18, 23. I said it wrong. Look at what the prophet Ezekiel noticed about God. He said, he said do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? I, I just want you to know that God does not take pleasure in the judgment of anybody. So like, God is sitting in heaven. And in all reality, you just need to know this. He's not looking at humankind thinking, man, I hope they blow it because I really, it's been a while since I lit somebody up. And I'm feeling it. I feel like the anger needs to get released. I feel like I'm, I, just, I got a tsunami in me somewhere. I got an earthquake. There's a flood in me. I just, wah! How stupid is that? God does not take any pleasure at all in the destruction of the wicked. But rather, actually, he takes pleasure and he's pleased when they turn. So what do you got to lose? According to everything God is, he wants these people to turn. And maybe, just maybe, he's waiting on you to step in to move heaven and earth for them. That maybe you're the deciding factor that you play a role, you play a part, that your prayers begin to tip a scale, that your words, your kindness, your generosity, all these things combined begin to move heaven and earth somehow, some way. They get to make a difference in the life of the person that may be just compelling arguments for their sake. Because you ask yourself, God, why, why would he? Well, he doesn't want to. You need to know that. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll, let me, let's move the story forward. Since God is in the prayer answering mood, Moses decides to keep asking. I didn't read this part. 
But a couple chapters later, he's like, oh, well, since you're answering all these prayers, let me throw out another one. God, I want to see what you look like. That's what Moses is like, hey, man, I'm, you know, look, it's almost like when the dice are hot, you just keep, you keep betting. And so they're like, hey, let's keep asking. Let's go for it. God, I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want to know. I want to, I want to see what you look like. And so God's like, okay. But you can't see all of me or you'd incinerate. <laughs> you'd die. You can't see all of me. So I tell you what, you get in this rock and you look into the rock and I'm going to put my hand here, but then I'm going to, I'm going to pass by. It's this really strange story in Exodus 34. But when he passes by, the Bible says that God declares his name to Moses. Are you guys ready to hear this? Check this out. This is what, so he says, get in the rock. Just look into the rock. Don't, don't you look out. I'm going to put my hand here and I'll pass by so you don't incinerate. And then I'm going to say my name. Are you ready? This is what he says. Exodus 34, verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. So he said, hey, look, I just want you to know, if you ever wondered who I am and what I looked like and what I'm like and what I'm all about, this is me. So like, this is my name. This is my character. This is my nature. And so again, I tell you that if this is who God is, you might as well ask for, for, for the neighbor, for the coworker, for the family member, for that stiff-necked, stubborn, no good, awful, heathen, paganistic, you might as well just ask because he certainly doesn't take pleasure in judgment. He takes pleasure in them returning because, by the way, if you didn't know, he's compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding. I mean, overflowing. With love and faithfulness. Now, that's a good God. That's the God that we pray to. So if that's the God we pray to, you might as well just ask. Because you've got nothing to lose. Last big idea is this. Is that the greatness of Moses' prayer is still unmatched by Jesus. I want you to know, like, Moses prays a legitimate prayer, doesn't he? Like, Moses argues with God debates with God, takes God's word and turns it against him. He goes all the way to say, if it comes down to either them or me, you love them with me and I'll just die for them. I need you to get this picture. Even the greatness of this prayer, the audacity of this prayer, it is still unmatched by Jesus. Jesus still supersedes it. I'll prove it to you. Moses said he would die for those people if necessary. Jesus did die for those people because it was necessary. That's the prayer of Jesus. Like you need to know like when Jesus is praying for Israel and Jesus is praying, even he's in the Garden of Eden and he says, Peter, you're going you're gonna to fall and stumble in temptation, but you're going to make it because I'm praying for you. As a matter of fact, look, look at these scriptures here. Romans 8, 34 says this. It says, who then is the one who condemns? Paul's talking about how like we, we, we like to judge and condemn one another. He goes, no one, because Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, he is at the right hand of God and he's doing what? Uh, he's interceding. He's intervening. Like, it, it, to, to intercede means to go on the behalf of that person and lay it all on the line. And I need you to know, like, that's what Jesus is doing for you. So you ever wonder, like, what's Jesus doing? You know, he died. That was a big accomplishment. It's clearly a big deal. We needed that. But what's he doing now? I want you to know that the Bible says that he's sitting at the right hand of God pleading your case. You don't believe it? Watch this. Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, Jesus is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Like, I, I just want you to know, like, if you ever felt like, well, I think I'm kind of saved, but I'm not really saved. Jesus saves to the 
uttermost. Meaning like you don't, you don't get kind of saved. Half of you is not going to heaven. You know, you're in. Because he's praying for you. So when you come to Jesus and you surrender your life, you're going to make some mistakes in life. But I'm telling you, as long as you put your faith in Jesus, he is there interceding on your behalf. The Bible says that the devil does the opposite. That he is the accuser of the brother and that basically brings all of your bad things and all of your bad deeds and actions and bad words and everything you did. And he basically goes to God and said, see God? See what they did? See God? You saved them. They're supposed to be, supposed to be Christians. They were at church last week. But look at them now. It's Saturday night. <laughs> He's got, he's, but do you see? Do you see, do you see Tiffany? Do you see? I don't know who Tiffany is. It's just made up, y'all. Let's not look for people in the church named Tiffany. I don't think there's anybody here named Tiffany, I hope. Is there anybody? Okay. You have a new name in Christ Jesus. Your new name is Radiant. But the Bible says that although the devil is the accuser of the brethren, that Jesus is on the other side saying, no, no, that's all right. I died for that. No, 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 I took that. No, no, I paid for that. No, no, you can't, you, no, you can't put that on them. I took that on the cross. And Jesus is constantly interceding on your behalf so that your sins aren't weighed against you in a court of law. Not because he said he would die for you, but because he actually died for you. And so this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to think, and this is how I want you to act, because here's, here's what I know about you. You've got some people in your life that are away from God. You've got some people in your, lost, or in your life that are lost that, that you know need God. And I'm telling you, if you're anything like me, it's easy to give up hope. It's easy to say, man, they're too stubborn, they'll never change. You know what? They're too old, they've been so set in their ways, and they're never changed. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, and they, it's so easy to dismiss people, but I'm telling you, I have seen the miraculous. I have seen stuff that I just never believed was possible. I've seen people turning their hearts toward God that I thought were the most stubborn and evil and anti-God and nasty, and I've seen it. And so I'm telling you, I want you to pray the compassionate prayer. I want you to pray like Moses did. I want you to do so with some incredible respect and honor, but I want you to argue. And here's what you may need to argue, because you've got to think, well, God, you didn't make a covenant with them as far as I know, and I, I don't know what all to pray. Here's, here's what I would argue if I were you. I would argue God, because this is what I know about all of humanity. I'd be like, God, when I think about, and you fill in the blank, when I think about my friend, when I think about my loved one, here's what I know about them. They are made in your image and your likeness, God. You created them with a plan and a purpose. And not only that, God, but you sent your son, and your son paid the ultimate price, and he died on their behalf. And I know that you don't take pleasure in their judgment, and I know you don't take pleasure in their destruction, God. You actually take pleasure. You, you said this. I didn't say this. But you said that you take pleasure when they turn back to you. And so, God, in all of your mercy... Because they were made in your image and likeness, so they kind of look like you. And your son paid the ultimate price so that they might have life and forgiveness. And God, would you just please have mercy? Last week I gave you the prayer of Jabez on a card. And I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and make a prayer for every week then. Because you're going to come to a time where someone's on your heart and you meet somebody new or somebody's going through a rough time and you're going to want to pray that prayer of compassion, and it'll look a little bit something like this. Lord, I pray for Tiffany, my hairdresser. She's redheaded, blue eyes. They are lost and away from you, but they're made in your image and likeness, and your son died for their sins, and so I ask that you would open their eyes to see you and open up their heart to know you. Now listen, this isn't the end-all prayer. This is just what I could fit on a card. 
You keep praying. You keep arguing. You keep debating. You keep going before God. Why? Because you've got nothing to lose. And the character and nature of God would compel you to ask. And if you're really that compassionate for these people, then even the graveness of their wickedness shouldn't stop you. The level of craziness that they partake in shouldn't slow you down. But we need to become people that pray pray compassionate prayers and lift people up. So, let's go back to where we began. Who are you praying for? Who is it that you would fill in the blank for? Let's pray this morning. As a matter of fact, if we could, why don't we just start right now? If there was somebody today... Who, when we began this day, and I said, I want you to think about that friend, that neighbor, that coworker, that whomever. Who would you pray for? Let's just begin today. Who is that person in my life that I know is lost and away from you? And God, can we even today begin to pray for them? And so, God, you know the person on our heart and on our mind, God, and we lift them up to you. God, we ask that you would move heaven and earth, God, for their situation. That, God, you would take radical measures, that you would have divine intervention, that you would do whatever it takes, God, to awaken their heart and mind to know you and to follow you. God, we, we do, we make the argument, they're made in your image and likeness, God. You died, Jesus, for their sins. God, would you please have mercy? Would you please intervene in their life and do whatever it takes so that they in their heart would turn towards you? Father, not only that, God, help us to become compassionate prayers. Help us to be people that, that live to pray for other people. Help us to become people that lay it on the line for others. Even like Moses to say, God, I'm in with them, God, whatever it takes. I'm going to plead their case. I'm going to make their arguments, God, whatever it takes, God. I'm in with them. Please, God, have mercy on them. I know, I know that you don't take pleasure in, the, in their destruction. But God, you take pleasure when they turn towards you. Help us to become people that pray like that. God help us, and it is in Jesus' holy name that we ask. And we all said, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.